listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Mission sequence start. Oh, Elijah Wan has David Robinson just bamboozled. Kelly out of the corner for three hitters. Don't ever underestimate the heart of a champion. The Houston Rockets select Yao Ming. McGrady at the buzzer. Yeah! Thompson steps right, shoots for the win of three, he got it! I know what we need to do. I know exactly what we need to do. Russell Westbrook, James Harden. I know what's at stake. It's going to be scary. Not for us. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Launchpad Podcast presented by Clutch City Control Room, your home for all things Houston Hoops. I'm one of your hosts, Justin Levine, and you can find me on Twitter at Justin Lev. And I'm your second host, Akib Ghazi, and you can find me on Twitter at Akib underscore Rockets. And be sure to follow the official Clutch City Control Room account at Clutch City CR, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. So uh, Akib and I are going to discuss today, obviously, uh, the Rockets Game 3 performance, uh, which was an unfortunate result for Rockets fans. The Oklahoma City Thunder uh, beat the Houston Rockets 119 to 107 yesterday. Uh, and, uh, you know, we obviously um, we have a lot to talk about with regards to the performances of the players in the game. Um, the Rockets, just to summarize, are now up 2-1 in the playoffs in the first round against the Thunder. Uh, still no Russell Westbrook, uh, which is encouraging. Um, if you were to ask me, you know, if the Rockets were, you know, up 2-1 without Westbrook, I would take that all day. And, you know, the, the team is still relatively in the driver's seat, but uh, there are there are some performances that we need to discuss uh, about the game. The first thing uh, to obviously talk about is, is James Harden, uh, the Rockets all-star player. And, you know, he, you know, he played 37 minutes, you know, shot 44% from the field, you know, you know, three-point percentage was still not there. He's now had two poor three-point percentage or three-point games, uh, game two and game three. He shot 23% from the, from the three-point line, that's three of 13 attempts. Um, but still, you know, had the best plus minus of the team at a plus six. So obviously his presence is still incredibly important and no one's going to debate that. He had seven rebounds, eight assists. Uh, so it was definitely distributing. Um, but, you know, otherwise, you know, with the exception of Jeff Green, you know, who was uh, the, had the second highest plus minus at a plus five, shot 61.5% from the field, 62.5% uh, from three was, was con- has essentially continued his, his great performance throughout the series. There unfortunately wasn't a lot of contributions from the rest of the team. Um, and most particularly, I, you know, the player that we want to talk about probably the most, it, 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 you know, which I'm sure uh, Akib will want to talk about as well, is, is really uh, Eric Gordon. So, Akib, what do, you, what do you take of Eric Gordon's performance? Obviously, a lot of Rockets fans were, were pretty disappointed by, by his performance yeah. in this game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I was disappointed as well. But, I mean, we've only seen probably Eric Gordon's three-point shooting just gone down ever since joining – the bubble so it's it's not like we shouldn't have expected his three-point shooting to suddenly come back he's been pretty abysmal from three um like game two for example he shot over 10 
game three, yeah. which was last night, he shot two for ten. Um, so I'm not, yeah, I'm not really high on Eric Gordon's three-point shooting right now. I think he's taking away too many deep threes, contested threes, tough, tough threes. So I don't really see that getting better. Um, as you know, as I, I want to be as hopeful as possible, but I don't see Eric Gordon's shooting suddenly getting better until you know he can manage to get better shots. And with with Eric, it's just kind of weird because he's gone from this amazing three point shooter and this guy that could be such a deep threat, you could say, on the on, on the offensive side of things, and then he's gone to one of the worst shooters <laughs> yeah. in the league, so, and he's just clanking shots left and right. So I don't know. I, I do like that he's being able to drive almost at will, and um, he's he's getting to the basket, and he's actually finishing at a decently high rate, at least for game one, games one and game game two. I think he was not as good. Um, yeah, I think he was. He shot six for fourteen from inside the arc. So which is which is not great because you know you want to be around fifty yeah. percent. Um, of course, when you're shooting inside, but it's with Eric, it's just really difficult seeing him how how he's been playing these games, and he he had a team high five turnovers last night, and for someone like Eric Gordon, we want at least he shouldn't he shouldn't have more than two to three turnovers. So anytime he gets five turnovers, it's a bad thing. Yeah, I think you know, between um, between uh, Eric and. Uh, Rivers and um, Daniel House, they, they combined for 12 turnovers of the 16 turnovers this team had. And obviously that's uh, an issue. I mean, in, in game two, the Rockets, uh, their three-point shooting w- was also pretty poor. I think they shot uh, 29% in that game. Um, but the thing is that what kept them in that game, obviously, was their stellar second-half defense. And the fact that they only committed seven turnovers. Uh, Harden, I think, had no turnovers in that game, um, uh, or he might have had one or two. But but you know he was he's relatively taking care taking care of the ball very well, which is a great positive development considering the fact that you know in the early Harden years in Houston, uh, and uh, you know obviously even last year, especially in the regular season, uh, you know. You could he, say even Justin. You could even add this year. Because he's averaging yeah. over four turnovers a game. Yeah, so the, he's obviously locked in in terms of keeping taking care of the ball. Um, he only committed one turnover this game. Um, you know, speaking just from Eric Gordon's perspective, obviously this game, you know, the Rockets were up five with about a minute left. Uh, there was some great, you know, clutch shooting from um, from Green and and PJ uh, in those final minutes to get the team up to that point. This, obviously, this game was well within reach to win. Um, and, you know, the Rockets just made – it was just that last minute was obviously a very odd minute, um, you know, which happens, and the rhythm was sort of broken. But most importantly, um, you know, the Rockets, you know, got got lazy on the, on the defense, didn't have any stops. I mean, there was a – Paul basically drove – directly to the hoop um, and I forget who else scored sort of to get that score down to basically a one point lead. And then obviously Paul uh, fouled Harden uh, before the ball was inbounded and, you know, Harden yeah. got a free throw the team goes up too. Uh, and then the Rockets, you know, with, you know, Gordon 
you know, when they're inbounding the ball, Gordon slips and the ball goes out of bounds. And there was, you so know, there was a, there, there was a development on that. Um, he had been, I think the NBA admitted that he had gotten pushed. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Um, or Eric Gordon himself might have admitted that he had gotten pushed and he's, he's a guy that doesn't, it's hard for someone to knock him over because he's so, you know, he's so strong. So he did. Um, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't want to say the NBA. I don't want to misquote. I don't think that, I don't know the NBA admitted it, but he did get pushed <clears> though. And he fell. So that was something, um, but we can't, obviously we can't just blame it on one. Yeah. One play, cause yeah. It's, it's kind of a series of plays for sure. Cause when you're up to, um, especially with when James Harden hit that free throw, um, after Chris Paul uh, fouling him, which I do quick. So we saw Doris Burke. <laughs> uh, she was, she was, you know, kind of speaking on that a lot. And it was just, it just kind of, it was kind of weird how she was going for Chris Paul to, she was rooting, almost rooting for OKC or Chris Paul at that point. Yeah. That's kind of an, that's an, that's an aside. She definitely uh, was, had a, was definitely uh talking about Dort the whole game, which deservedly so we can briefly yeah. talk about him. Sure. You know, obviously uh, Lou Dort was the defensive standout for OKC. Um, <clears throat> you know, he's really held his own obviously with Harden and, and Harden's, you know, had a real tough time, you know, getting his shots off of him, obviously on any other defenders, Harden has been able to get whatever he wants more or less. Um, but Dort, you know, he's been the biggest game changer for OKC. It's, it's, yeah. it's amazing that, you know, you know, he was out, you know, I wonder what the outcome would have been in game one had he not, you know, had he played, you know, so, so Dort, you know, obviously his offense, you know, is, is pretty poor. Um, yeah. Rockets kept him open uh, on the, on the three point range and let him just shoot. But his defense is really, uh, put Harden in, in some knots and I, you know, I know you'll want to talk about, you know, adjustments uh, the team can make uh, and Harden can make in game four. Um, but yeah, that just that last minute was some really poor decision-making from the Rockets and, you know, it, it just, and then when overtime came and Harden fouled out and I think a big issue was the Rockets in the first half, just they had so many fouls and I think that really, you know, impacted their defense in the second half. And, you know, Harden was playing in that final minute with five fouls, so he couldn't be as defensively locked in probably as he, as he you know, as he wanted to. Um, and, and like so, you said, yeah, like you said, that, that game did get away from, from the Rockets. I mean, when you're up two and then you're inbounding the ball, we're assuming that someone on the Rockets, it could be Eric Gordon or James Harden, um, receiving the ball and – uh, getting the foul and then making a shot or making a shot or two, but it didn't quite go that way. And then the Rockets lose the ball. And then um, I do want to talk about this one, this, this, this very play where Shea Gilgis Alexander, he gets yeah. wide open yeah. in the corner. So um, basically what had happened with that play was um, I think Chris Paul, he gets a pretty easy drive to the basket. And then we see that um, I think he crosses up, or he d drives on James Harden. James Harden, obviously, he had five fouls at that point. Um, so he's giving the drive, essentially. And we see that Jeff Green, he rolls over to help. Um, and then we see that Daniel House, all the way from the corner, he leaves his man 
wide open and comes yeah. in to help. Which to me, I mean, it's a very low IQ basketball play because I mean anyone will tell you at that point, hey, look, give up the two pointer because that game definitely goes into overtime, right? For sure, from that right. point, if we right. score, um, and then if we are able to inbound the ball and maybe get a shot off, but that's not the case. And then what ends up happening? Jeff Green was already there to help, so I don't understand why Daniel House goes in for with the help defense, and James Harden did kind of scold him after that. Play. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And then, and then if, yeah. He, uh, uh, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say that he was, uh, there's no reason to triple team Chris Paul. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no. I, you know, as much as I love Chris Paul, you know, when it's time with the Rockets, you know, he, he, you know, he could have easily been defended with one or two defenders um, yeah. on that play and leaving SGA open was, was definitely a boneheaded play by house and house just didn't really have a good closing game. Obviously he, he made that, that blunder on the defense and then he made only one of two free throws, which, you know, would have, if he had made both of those free throws, he would have, there wouldn't have been an overtime game. And um, yeah. you know, that's, but there's, you can't really, you can't really look at it that way. I just look at it as the team had a five point lead and they, they squandered it. I think the biggest oh, issue, the yeah, biggest so, issue well, was, I yeah, I was sorry. The biggest issue was obviously those not not defending two two of those plays. The OKC scored four points, and then obviously uh, the inbounds play where where Gordon slipped. I mean that's just that's just not smart basketball. Obviously. Yeah. Anytime you have a five point lead with I think it was around fifty nine fifty eight seconds left in the game. Uh, anytime you have a five point lead, you know the game should end in a, in a dub. Right. So it just, right. it, did, it definitely didn't make sense how the Rockets played down the stretch, especially that minute when they played so well in the clutch um, up until that last minute. Uh, Cause yeah, we got, I, I want to say we got a wide open three pointer. Was it from PJ Tucker mm -hmm. to take that five point lead? And from there on, it just didn't, it just didn't make sense how we played, but we're going to have to live with that. And, um, definitely, uh, just for a quick sec, I want to talk on Lou Dorr. So, after that game one, the game one ended up being pretty much a um, pretty much a wash, and the Rockets won that game pretty easily. And then game two, although it was a double digit win, it, you can't really say that it was it was an easy victory, just because at halftime the Rockets were down six. But you know, credit Lou Dort. He basically he had, he changed the series himself on the de defensive end because he's the only one that could stop Harden. Harden can score at will on anyone, on anyone else. And Ludor did change the series up. And especially from yesterday's game, having seeing Harden go three for 13 for 23%. That's what well, majority of that is on, you know, Ludor and his defense. So we're going to, you know, even though we're Rockets fans, we're definitely going to give credit where credit is due. <laughs> Ludor, and he's yeah. been playing superb defense. Yeah, Lou's been uh, obviously exceptional um, and really a difference maker for, for OKC. Um, he's essentially uh, the uh, Andre Roberson 2.0, it seems like, because, uh, I, I, you know, Donovan did trot out Roberson in that um, that first game, and there was a couple plays where Harden just completely blew by him. So yeah. Roberson obviously still has some rehab that he needs to get through. He'll, you know, I have no doubt that he'll be back to being – the, the defender that he w once was um, and um, 
But yeah, Dort is exceptional on the defensive end, really has held himself. Uh, thankfully, offensively, he is, is, is a pretty big negative. So um, I think net, maybe potentially net, that those kind of net each other out. Really what it com- comes down to is, is, you know, outside of Harden and, and Green, really, it, no one else really contributed offensively. And I think, I mean, House did put up 15 points, but, um, you know, Gordon put up 18 points, but he had the worst plus minus of the whole, whole, the whole game at minus 29. So not really, not really effective points in that respect. But, um, you know, the Rockets are going to need more contributions from their players outside of, you know, Green and, and Harden. And, um you know, the one thing I do want to briefly touch on, and I'm sure you do as well, is, you know, Covington and McLemore. Um, McLemore only shot two, two, two field goals the entire game, which is, for a 40% three-point shooter, is inexcusable in my mind. Um, and then Covington only played 19 minutes, uh, which seems odd given the fact that he's one of your best defenders. Um, so, do you have yeah, any thoughts? I thought with – yeah, yeah. So, I mean, definitely back Ben McLemore, I thought definitely the Rockets should have created more sets on offense for Ben McLemore because, you know, as great a shooter Ben McLemore is, like you can't let him – you can't have a game where he only takes two three-point attempts. And, and of course, his defense is not not great <laughs> just, to, just to be soft on him. But uh, you still – he's still a big – Plus, you know, when you when you have Ben McLemore on the floor and he creates open shots, and teams cannot because he's such a because he's he's a forty percent shooter, so you can't have teams can't be doubling or triple teaming Harden quite as hard when you have Ben McLemore on the floor. And then with Robert Cummington, um, Mike D'Antoni did say, um, I think in uh, in the press conference today, that. He he didn't mean to have Robert Covington not, you know only play 19 minutes and that was his fault. He just said since um, he picked up three fouls in the first half, he didn't quite think he had uh, Robert Covington had had a rhythm, and he mm-hmm. t- he talked to Robert Covington about that. And so I don't I think I don't think we're gonna see that issue going forward. Um, it's, so it shouldn't be a concern to Rockets fans that Robert Covington only played 19 minutes. It was just kind of an error on Mike D'Antoni's part. Yeah. Well, I, I hope you're, hope you're right. I think, um, I think it's, that was the, the biggest head scratcher for me was the minutes distribution between really with Covington only getting 19 minutes and McMorrow only getting 17. Um, it just seems like the distribution was a little off in my mind and, and maybe there's a, obviously there's, there was some early foul trouble, which probably was creating some of that. Um, just a quick quick recap uh, before we, we head into our first break, uh, or really our, our break for the podcast. Um, you know, the, the Oklahoma City Thunder got great production, obviously, out of their, their three-guard lineup with Paul really just having his, his CP game. I mean, best plus minus of the whole, of the whole game, plus 15 shot. Shot 55% from the field, 26 points. Schroeder had 29 points you know, shot, uh, shot not as well from the field, but was a plus, uh, plus 10 and SGA obviously hit that huge big time three at the end and, and shot, you know, 
got 23 points, shot 43% from three. So, you know, that's really all three of those guards were clicking. You know, you wonder if they'll be able to replicate that in, in game four. But I guess that's a little, you know, it's good in the sense that, you know, they had to get monster production out of their three guards and uh, they still, you know, barely won the game. So not, not. Yeah, we're going to we'll give, we'll give credit in overtime. They torched us. And Chris Paul was Chris Paul of old, so we'll give credit where credit is due. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll take our we'll take our first break. When we get back, we'll discuss uh, Game Four. You know, adjustments that the Rockets can make, and uh, we'll we'll see you guys on the other side. Support for this podcast comes from AT and T. All right. So there are a lot of reasons to like AT and T five G. Check this out. My friend Lisa, who is a professional race car driver and base jump wingsuit enthusiast, likes AT&T 5G because it's fast. My friend Terry, who's a bodyguard who once also wrestled a hyena when he got too close to his client on safari, likes AT&T 5G because it's secure. And my friend Sasha, who's a librarian and hasn't missed a day of work in 27 years, Ooh, not even that time she broke both her legs and had the measles, likes AT&T 5G because it's reliable. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's fast, secure, and reliable. And now nationwide. AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires a compatible plan. 5G may not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for 5G coverage details. And we are back for the second half of the final segment for the Launchpad podcast presented by Clutch City Control Room. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop a review and leave us some stars. So we will be discussing in this second segment the adjustments that the Rockets need to make um, in order for the Rockets to come out with a W. So what do you think, Justin? What, uh, what can we get started off here? Yeah, so I think in, in game four, uh, you know, the, the, my, 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 my adjustment that I would love more than anything is for Gordon to have better shot selection and and make some threes um I, i'm not counting on that at this point he's he's had a pretty poor showing so far in the bubble so outside of that i mean if he can continue to be more aggressive in the drive and maybe defer to some of the other players on the court to hit those threes um you know he he obviously shot uh i think he shot he, he attempted 10 threes in, in game three and you know didn't he made only two of them so give some of those shots to some of the other players on the court. Um, that would be my, my first adjustment. And then um, you want to talk about Harden and Dort, maybe give some thoughts on that. Yeah. So for Harden, there's a couple of things and I've been seeing on Twitter, some, some uh, great, great um, video analysis, some great film um, from Itamar and, and others, but um, definitely some of the things that we want to see, um, for Harden to get some a little more offense going, I mean we can't we can't say enough about how great Harden is as an offensive player, and him shooting 45 percent, forty four, forty five percent from the field is great. And he had he ended the game with thirty eight points, which is amazing because um, he didn't really play much in overtime. So thirty eight points is always great when you get that from Harden, and it was pretty efficient. He was able to get to the line. 15 times he did miss four though so that's it's a little uncanny for Harden but he's doing great um he had seven rebounds eight assists he's taking care of the ball and that's fantastic he only has I want to say four turnovers for the entire series which is which is amazing and he's playing great defense um he had I mean he had 
he had a steal, but he's we know Hard, how how great Harden has been on the defensive end. But to get him kind of going, I would like to see some you know some more screens for sure from guys like Jeff Green or Robert Covington, just to see if we can maybe either get a switch. And we know Lou Dor is very tough on those screens; he can fight through it. But the uh, you know if the Rockets are able to set better screens, we definitely can get Harden going in. I would like to see him definitely – because he did take 13 threes and he only made three of them, which is not great. It's only 23%. Um, his shots are going to fall when he makes them easier, you know, on himself. So I'd like, definitely we want to see him get some more drives because every time – it seems like to you, I don't know about – I don't know about you, Justin, but to me it seems like every time Harden gets a drive, he either scores or he's getting fouled or there's like a missed call. So yeah. Yeah. I I think yeah, getting him to to drive more is is definitely uh you know, you know, he's more he's been very comfortable doing that in this game or in this series and I think you know, the the one thing which I know you you want to talk about too is is sort of the post-ups. Uh, you know, that was very, you know, obviously uncharacteristic of Harden, you know, I haven't really haven't really seen those yet in his game. And maybe this is sort of the new, uh, the new sort of uh, tricky trick he has in his bag, and he's going to start developing. I mean, obviously, you know, we've seen Harden develop so many different offensive weapons throughout the years. You know, in the early years, it was the it was the Euro um, uh, the Euro step, and then then he developed the step back three, and then he got his floater working the last you know last couple years, and maybe now this is a new offensive weapon that gets players more involved because, you know, he, there was two or three possessions where he got in the post and kicked it out to some, some players and they resulted in some offense. And, um, yeah. you know, that's one way to maybe kind of mitigate uh, the, the Lou Dort effect, uh, so to speak, is to kind of take, you know, take him from being a, an on-ball defender to, to a post-up defender, which Harden obviously does very well in the post. So that that could be another interesting adjustment, and I'd like to see how that develops over the over the rest of the series. Yeah, and as strong as Lou Dort is, Harden is is stronger, <laughs> and he has the advantage every time when he posts up Lou Dort. I think he posted him up about three or times um, last game yesterday. So it it did um, in game three. So it did make sense for him to go to more of those post ups because. Every time he did post up, it ended up it resulted in in a basket or free throws. So definitely, we'd like to see more drives and more post ups from Harden. And and to go kind of back on Eric Gordon. We did start off the show, start off the second segment with Eric Gordon. And definitely, those shots are kind of mind numbing. Those deep threes and you know his. I don't think those three those three point shots are going to be falling anytime soon until he makes them easier on himself. Um, but I do I don't mind the Eric Gordon driving to the basket because those have been a, a great development for sure in in the bubble and um, in these playoffs. So I would like to see Eric Gordon get more drives to the basket. I don't want to see him having 24 shots though. <laughs> he's only eight for, eight for 24, and he had five turnovers, which is a team high. And we don't we he should as out of all players, someone that doesn't is not required to create for the team as much he shouldn't be having five turnovers. But I would like to see at the same time him, we want him to create more for others. And that's another, I guess that's another point we could talk about, Justin, for the, you know, in, in, in general, for the team. 
uh, getting guys um, open and getting guys better shots. Yeah, I think um, definitely getting the the other players involved uh, is. I think one thing that was, un, you know, what I kind of took away from Game Three was that in that second quarter, Harden was really the only offense being generated from the team. I think he he got really, and this happens every now. You know, obviously Harden, you always have to take the good with with the sort of you know, things that you may think are not helping the team as much. I, I think one thing that probably got the rest of the team out of the rhythm was that Harden was really the only offense in that second quarter. And I felt like that might've taken some of the guys out of, out of the offense. Um, you know, that's just me sort of theorizing a little bit, but I would like to see him distribute more. Um, he was distributing more so later in the game, but in that second quarter where you're really focused on getting players in rhythm, I think, uh, he he was definitely taking um, a fair amount of shots on his own, um, taking a lot of threes and just getting up some volume. And I think, you know, the Rockets still won that quarter. Uh, but, you know, I, I my fear is that he, you know, some of the other players just weren't as much as rhythm. And um, that's something I'd like to see improved on because I do think in the first two games, there was a lot more ball movement. Um, a lot more sharing of the, you know, of the field goal attempts. And so I think that's something I'd like to see more so in, in, in game four. Yeah. And quick point on for game two, for example, when we saw in the fourth quarter, when Harden sat out, you know, the Rockets went off, all their guys were hitting shots. Uh, they were killing it. Russ was loving it. Harden was loving it. I, we didn't see much of that. You know, if anything, we didn't see much of that at all. Uh, from this game three and Austin Rivers didn't quite have a big game. He only had seven shots, made four, had four points. He didn't hit any of his threes, but I would still like to see Austin Rivers get some, get some ISO because he's still as great as Harden is. He's Austin Rivers is good too on ISO and he can, he's very effective when he drafts to the hoop. Um, and he's probably our second best ISO player out there right now. So I, I did, I, I want to see Austin Rivers getting more involved and then Ben McElmore, there's no world where Ben McLemore has two three-point attempts in 17 minutes. So yeah. that's not ideal yeah. with the Rockets and how the Rockets play ball. He, he, at least, to me, at least he should be generating five or six, you know, open threes for himself. And uh, Rockets and Mike D'Antoni, they do need to do a better job getting other guys involved. And I don't, you know, Eric Gordon and James Harden, they combined for 51 shots. <laughs> so. Wow. I think that's that was that's more than so the Rockets had a combined total of 92 uh, shots, and Eric Gordon and James Harden, like I said, they combined for 51. So that's not that's not good. And I did, I noticed so in games one and two, Eric Gordon, although he was missing his shots, right, he was still able to get open shots for others. He was kicking out, and we saw a different side of Eric Gordon. But game three kind of brought that you know, the bad side of Eric Gordon where he was just trying to force threes and get something going. And, and I think that's a little bit – of course, that's on Eric Gordon. But I do want to say that's a little bit on Mike D'Antoni for giving him so much freedom. Yeah. I would, I would definitely agree with that. I think getting – I'd like to see more Rivers ISO. And he definitely was definitely ISOing. But I just – for some reason, he had a quiet game. I think those are all good points. I think before we sort of wrap this up, I want to talk, obviously, the, you know – uh, about Russ, uh, I know you do as well, and sort of 
seeing how he progresses uh, from his quad uh, injury, you know, the question that's been going around is do you, even if he's sort of not a hundred percent, do you still bring him back for game four? Um, you know, how, what do you, what are your thoughts on bringing, if, if, if the Rockets should bring him back, even if he's not fully healthy, I mean, even getting a, a, a wrinkle in the offense can be helpful. And, and I think the Rockets showed in this game that they were, seemed like they had, they really needed Russ to kind of break, break things up a little bit on the offensive end to make things a little bit more fluid. Yeah. So if, if Russ is not fully healthy, if he's maybe if he's 90, 95%, um, maybe he can get going. Um, but if he's not fully healthy, I'm a big, you know, proponent against players not coming back too early because we saw what happened to last season with the Golden State Warriors. We saw what happened with Kevin Durant. We saw what yeah. happened with Clay Thompson uh, in the finals. So I'm not a I'm not heavy on rushing players back, especially when they're not fully healthy. And I think the Rockets can handle business without Russ. And I really thought, you know, hey, the Rockets were going to take a 3-0 lead and, you know, this was great because Russ is just going to get his rest and and um, we're probably – the Rockets are probably going to play the Lakers in the second round if we if the Rockets do come out uh, with a series win over the over Oklahoma City Thunder. But it's just um, with – yeah, with Russ, I don't want to – I just definitely don't want to see him rush back. Even though he could be a great asset to the team, I just don't think we need to force him back. Yeah, I, I, I've gone back and forth on it. And honestly, I think I, I agree with this point. I think – Rockets are still up two one. If if the if the team was down one two, for instance, mm-hmm. um, I would have a different thought, pro- a little bit more of a different thought process. Or even if it was two uh, two, uh, which hopefully it won't be. Um, but if it, you know, it, I I agree with you. I think this, the Rockets still are in the driver's seat. Um, they had a pretty bad offensive game, and I think it, it took a Herculean effort offensively from OKC's three guards to kind of. Yeah get the win um, and really just some bad decision-making in the last minute by the Rockets. So I, I think the Rockets played a really bad game and they still almost won the game. So um, yeah. I, 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 I'm in the same boat now having thought about it over the last uh, 24 hours. And I, I just hope we'll just, we'll see how the Rockets play in game four. Um, hopefully they're, they're, you know, looking at film and Gordon's shooting, you know, a thousand threes uh, every hour. <laughs> Make sure you get the shot back or or not, not. or just driving to the hoop and just working on that. Um, But I think, you know, I think we'll leave it at that unless you have anything else to add, uh, Akib. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it did take a Herculean effort. Um, Dennis Schroeder, Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and Danilo Gallinari all scored 20 points or more. So anytime that happens, you know, and the Rockets were still quite, you know, they're pretty much in the game and they're almost going to to win so that tells me a lot um and it's more to do with not how the Oklahoma City Thunder played and it's more to do with um how um it's more to do with how the stretch yeah I would agree with that well uh that's going to do it for today's episode uh so if you haven't already done so please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts and if you appreciate the consistent digital and podcast breakdowns, analysis, speculation, guest voices, and camaraderie of our team. 
please consider clicking the link in the description to check out one of our monthly Patreon subscription options. And as always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Launchpad Podcast covering your Houston Rockets.